You're listening to Center Church Podcast. At Center Church, we strive to keep Jesus at the center of everything we do. You're about to hear a message from our pastor, Matthew Edwards. But before you do, we want to invite you to visit our website at centercharlotte.org. There you can sign up for our weekly emails and receive new content as we release it. Secondly, we want to invite you to visit our pastor's blog at matthewedwards.cc. And finally, if this podcast ministered to you in any way, go ahead and subscribe and you'll be the first to know when we release more content in the future. Thanks for listening in and be blessed. Gather you are in our midst. So this morning, we just rest in your presence, Lord. We just take a moment to rest in your presence. And before we dive into the word, just take a moment real quick. If you would, out of your own heart, just tell him how grateful you are for everything that he's done. Thank you, Jesus, that you've watched over everyone in here. Father, that you watched over us from last Sunday to this Sunday. You took us out and you brought us back in. Father, I thank you that not one of us has been lost. You have watched over everyone in here and our children. We thank you this morning, Lord, for the favor that you have on everyone that's in here this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you Again, just take a moment real quick before we dive into it. Father, we thank you for everything that you've done. You are better than we expected. And you are so good to everyone in here, Lord. You are so good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. And Father, I thank you that everyone would walk out of here with exactly what you would have for them. Not what I prepared, but exactly what you would have for them. And this morning we receive your word as we look to Jesus. We thank you, Lord. As we look to you, you transform us. So we rest in your presence this morning in Jesus name. Everyone said, amen. Amen. How are you feeling? Second time I've asked that. Good. I'm glad you're here. I would start off with a corny joke, but I think last week's was good enough. The antenna joke. You remember that? Two antennas get married. The wedding was good, but the reception was great. I just thought that was awesome. And my brother heard the coffin joke for the first time last week. And he called me and said, I just wanted to tell you the coffin joke is awesome. I was like, thank you. But anyways, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. Last week we were talking about, does anybody remember? Praying in the spirit. There we go. Tongues. We were talking about praying in the spirit. And we're going to continue our conversation into that. Again, the Lord uh, impressed on me while I was studying. Get the whole church to do it and do it. Um, starting at least one hour a day from November 1st to November 22nd. And so we're going to talk about it, um, I hope, until then and maybe even beyond. But I'm excited because anytime God gives you a direct um, direction or a very clear direction, it's always because something is about to happen. In fact, I was talking with someone the other day. God never tells you to do something uh, for his own benefit. He's good. <laughs> he doesn't need anything else. So when he asks us to do something, it's never for himself. It's always for us. Now, don't get me wrong. Whenever he does something, it's, we always do things so that he gets the glory. But the beauty of it is this. We have to, I think, as a church, and we can't speak for every Christian, but as a church, I think we need to change our mindset. I'm not just doing this for the glory of God. I'm doing this because God wants to manifest his glory in me. Does that make sense? Now, again, it's this, it's this trade-off of if I can give God glory, the reality is this. God wants me to shine brighter. Now, don't get me wrong. He wants everyone to come to him. Because he is the source of life. But he knows that many people have a wrong perception of him. So what he does is he takes all of us and he says, I'm going to make you shine so bright that everyone in the room has to notice how bright you're shining. Are you with me? And when you shine bright, then they come to you. They don't come to him first. They come to you. And when they come to you, then you can deflect and point them to him. But all the while, God wants you to shine. 
And last week we were talking about 3 John, where John says this, Beloved, I pray that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Now, why is it God's will for us to prosper in, in, in materially? Why is it God's will that our health should be good? Why is it God's will that our soul should prosper? Because, excuse me, because all these things make you shine. All right? All these things make you shine. Again, and I'm not trying to preach last week's message, but it is hard to shine if you never have enough for what you need. Think about it. It's hard to shine if you're always sick, laid out on on a hospital bed because you can't go anywhere because you're always sick. It's hard to shine. And God wants all of us to shine. Now, I was reading Romans chapter 8. In fact, the last two weeks, I've been just reading Romans chapter 8 and studying it. And a beautiful thing, and I'm not going to share it this morning. This is... um, Apart from my message, we're going to read Romans 8, 26 in just a moment. But before we do, in Romans, what you find is this leading up to that awesome verse that we looked at last week that most people in the church know. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness for we don't know what to pray for as we ought. Right. Romans 8, 26. But did you know that the context before that talks about God wanting to manifest his glory? Did you know that? So if you go back, what he says is this. All creation is groaning. You know that verse? Remember, all creation is groaning in pain, travailing, waiting for the sons of God to be made manifest. In other words, all creation is suffering. All creation is groaning. Uh, when you see hurricanes, tornadoes, when you see earthquakes, all creation is groaning. And they're waiting for what? For the sons of God to be made manifest. They're not waiting on Jesus to come. They're waiting for the sons of God to be made manifest. That's all of us. I mean, you know, when Jesus was in the boat, all of a sudden creation was groaning and he stood up and said, peace be still. Creation was waiting and creation is still waiting to this day for the sons of God to be made manifest. Now, we can do a whole message on that. But did you know that that comes right before he says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness for we don't know what to pray for as we ought. Now, what does that mean? That means the more you pray in the spirit, you are manifesting that you are the son of God. You are in the son of God and ladies don't, don't, you are a daughter of the most high. Amen. And in Christ, the same power and glory and authority he has, you have the same amount. You don't have less. You have the same amount because as Jesus is, so are in this world. Are you with me? Now, again, how do we manifest that? How do we make that happen? How, what's our part to play in this? And the thing about God is this. God has taken everything to do off the table. There's nothing else for you to do. Aren't you glad? (laughs) there's nothing else for you to do. So you say, well, well, you know, I'm not doing anything now. So why am I not experiencing that? Well, God makes everything simple. What I'm going to do is this. There's a difference between being a son and a servant. Are you with me? There's a difference between being a son and a servant. In the story of the prodigal son, we never look at it in this way. But the older brother had a servant mentality. He was always working for his father, always working for his father, always working. Are you with me? At the end of that story, he came to his father and said this. All these years I've worked for you and you never threw a party for me. Interesting. God, you've never celebrated me and I've been here serving for years. Isn't that tragic? (laughs) Now, I don't know about you, but I want God to celebrate me. Are you with me? I want God to celebrate me. And I want everyone else to see that God is celebrating me because I want to be selfish in that way. Can we be selfish? (laughs) I'm serious. I want God to celebrate me because he loves me. If you love someone, you celebrate them. Are you with me? You don't love someone and never celebrate them. God so loved that he gave. God so loved that he gave. God loves you so much he wants to celebrate and give more because he loves you. So the older brother had a servant mentality, but the younger brother, 
He just had a mentality that most of us have. Um, I'm ready to see the world. And he goes out into the world and has fun. When he loses everything, he comes back home and he says, maybe I should be like my older brother. I'm adding my two cents, right? <laughs> maybe I should be a servant because even the servants are taken care of in my father's house. Who else was serving in the father's house? The older brother. But the younger brother says, maybe I should be a servant because that's what I've seen. Servants get taken care of. They don't get celebrated, but they do get taken care of. When he comes home, the father says, let me dress you up. Put my robe on you. Let me put sandals on your feet, my ring on you. Let me do all of this for you. Why? Because you cannot be a servant in my presence. I want sons. Now, you know what's the beauty of being a son versus a servant? Number one, sons get celebrated. Number two, sons inherit the business. Are you with me? You don't work in it. You work on it. I love that. I was listening to Andy Stanley. He said, success is being able to work on it, not work in it. And I love that because you know what? We are all sons. We are all sons. And for the ladies, you are all daughters of the Most High. And in Christ, God is saying, stop trying to work for me and let me work with you. Are you with me? Now, how does a son work? You speak. You speak. How does a king work? He, he speaks. And today, the only thing left for us to do is to stop doing and start speaking. And right now we're talking about tongues. We'll talk about power of words some other time. But right now, the, uh, the admonition from the Lord, the direction is to talk about praying in the spirit. So are you ready to find out what to do? Yes. Let's find out more. Let's look in Acts chapter. Actually, let's look in Luke chapter 24. This is going to be weird. Luke 24, verse 39. Jesus says, behold, I send the promise of the father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Can you say endued? Now, endued is a uh, funny Greek word. It's the same word, enduo. But endued literally means, uh, what do you say? Until you are endued. The word endued means until you are clothed. All right? Literally, I think um, Taylor's Dictionary says it like this. Until you are sinking down into a garment. Okay? Wait until wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Now, this verse sticks out like a sore thumb to me because you know what? They had spent three and a half years with Jesus. Are you with me? Three and a half years. And even though they had spent three and a half years, they saw how he did it. They saw what he did. Jesus has taught them how to pray. And at the end of Jesus's ministry, he says, now go and wait for the power of God to clothe you. It's not good enough for you to know how I did it. I want you to have the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? That's why I say this in our church. Listen, in our church, we love to be as accurate as we can with the word of God. We try to discern the word of God accurately as best as we can. All right. We walk in the light that we have. We found out that the gospel is actually the gospel of grace. So we stick to the truth of what we know. Are you with me? But at the same time, we don't want to be so uh, uh, theologically accurate that we miss the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? We want both. I think there should be a good balance. I think you should be theologically accurate. At the same time, the Holy Spirit should have the freedom to do what he wants to do. So this morning, we're going to look into that in just a minute. But notice real quick, one more time, three and a half years with Jesus wasn't good enough. You want the power? Go and wait for it. And know this, I am sending the promise of the Father. The word send is this word uh, apostle, same word for apostle. I am sending him with a mission. The same way the Father sent me, I'm also sending you. I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you. And this is the mission he'll bring. When he comes, go and wait until you are clothed with power from on high. Now, let's go one step further. Look at John chapter 20. I already said that. Yeah. Look at John chapter 20. Jesus says, back up. 
It is Acts. There you go. Acts chapter 1. I'm sorry, Mr. Manga. I apologize. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, one more time. You shall receive what? Power. Now, the word power right here is the word dunamis. This is where we get our word dynamite. Explosive, miracle working power. Not some of you will get it. No, no. You shall receive. Are you with me? Now, real quick. Know this. On the night, I'm sorry, on the day Jesus appeared to his disciples, after he had been resurrected, the Bible says they were all in a room, they locked the doors, they shut the windows. You remember that story? And Jesus comes in John chapter 20, I think it's John 20, Jesus comes and appears in the midst of them. Then he says this, receive ye the Holy Spirit, and he breathes on them, he blows on them. In that moment, they receive the Holy Spirit, right? Now, after they have received the Holy Spirit, then he comes and says this, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So it's one thing for us to receive the Holy Spirit. It's another thing for the Holy Spirit to come on you. Are you with me? Last week we talked about it. We said like this. When you have the Holy Spirit, it's like having a cup of water inside you. When the Holy Spirit baptizes you, it's like now you're in the pool. The water is not just inside. Now you are submerged in the water. That's the same analogy that we're pulling from right here in Acts chapter 1. Again, you shall receive power. Power. Explosive, miracle-working Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses. Now, I love this verse because he doesn't say you shall do witnessing. He says you shall be witnesses. What's greater, doing or being? Being. In the world, some people say, well, I want to try and be something that I'm not. So they do all these things to become something that they're not. Then they have to act like what they want to be. Aren't you glad in the church God says, I'm just going to make you what I want you to be. You will be a witness. And you know what the beauty of being versus doing is? Doing, you can try and fail. Being, you'll always be successful. Because you're not trying to do something. You're just being who you are. Now notice the Holy Spirit makes you become a witness. He makes you become. In fact, let me show you that. And just let me show you. Go ahead. Look at the next one real quick. Acts chapter 4. And follow me as best as you can. I apologize if it seems we're going fast. But I, I want to show you something. This is so cool. Acts chapter 4. This is how God wants you to be a witness. Are you ready? Acts chapter 4, verse 7. It says, and when they had set them, Peter and John, when they had set them in the midst, and uh, let me give you the backdrop real quick. The Pharisees found out that Peter and John had healed someone, and they did it in the name of Jesus. So they get angry, and they say, bring them in because Jesus is, we don't know where Jesus is anymore, and we've asked all of you to stop preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus. So they bring them in. We pick up at verse 7. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. What did he say? He said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel. Now we're going to skip verse 9. He goes on to talk about Jesus. But let me say this. In Ephesians chapter 5, you know what Paul says? Be ye filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking, speaking, speaking. How, are, how do you fill yourself with the Holy Spirit? By speaking. The more you speak, the more you're full. People who are not full of the Holy Spirit, it's hard for them to be a witness. But you can always refill yourself back up. How? By speaking. So watch this. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel. Now you skip down to verse 13. You can read 9 to 13 for yourself. 
But in verse 13, it says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized they had been with Jesus. Now, I love that phrase. And I put those two words in gold. When they realized that they were uneducated and untrained. Now, I've seen that before, but I'm telling you, when I was just getting ready for this message, I got so excited. You know why? Because God loves taking people who are uneducated and untrained. You see, in the world, they say, get all the information you can and bring everything you can to the table. The more qualified you are, the better you are for success in that area. God says the exact opposite. The less you know, the more I can use you. Because grace does not work for people who deserve it. Grace works for people who do not deserve it. That's why, that's why we don't come to God and say, Lord, I've done all these good things. Now I'm ready for a blessing. Thank you for that thunderous amen. And you would be surprised how much that's still taught in churches all across America. God is not waiting for you to come and say, Lord, I've done all these good. Now I'm ready for the fit. Now I'm ready for your favor. God is saying, just come to me as you are. All your mistakes in Christ, you can be uneducated and untrained in that area. But even though you are uneducated and untrained in that area, when the Holy, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, everyone around you, they'll know that you're uneducated. They'll know that you're untrained, but they'll still marvel at how much you're saying and how much you know. Isn't that beautiful? I'm glad, and I say this by the grace of God, I'm glad we didn't go to school to learn how to do church. We're learning to trust the Holy Spirit more. We're learning to trust him more. We're learning to say, you can take a fisherman who's uneducated and untrained. You can change the world. Jesus, you can take us. Jesus, you can use us. And that works for every area of our life. What was the secret? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there are some Christians who are not filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, we all know it. You look unexperienced. (laughs) You look untrained, uneducated in this. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the experts will look at you and say, surely that person's been with Jesus. Now, notice what is a witness? When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the witness is this. You've spent time with him. You've spent time with Jesus. That's the witness. That's the witness. For years, the church taught, turn or burn. Receive Jesus or go to hell. Hell fire, right? And people say, well, I don't want to go to hell. So they say, well, I'll receive Jesus because that sounds better, right? I don't want to go to hell, so I'll just receive Jesus. That's great. But you know, that only lasts for a while. (laughs) It only lasts for a while. The glory of the old covenant, turn or burn, there was glory in it, but it has no glory compared to the glory of the new, which says, let's not bring that up right now. Let's just talk about how good God is. Let's talk about how much God loves you. And that will have a lasting effect on you. Are you with me? True repentance doesn't come from finding out how angry God will be. True repentance comes by finding out how much God loves you, how good God is. So we come to this. Look at verse 14. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Now, if you go through the entire book of Acts, which we want, you can go to the next one. If you go through the entire book of Acts, especially the early portion, you start seeing all the miracles. You start seeing all the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit is doing and how he's doing it. But, you know, the one thing that the church in the book of Acts had that many people, many churches in America don't have. Do you know what it is? I'll say this. Number one, they were unified. I'll show you that in just a moment. They were unified. One heart. They had one heart. And number two, they had one prayer language. In fact, I challenge you to go and find it throughout the book of Acts. 
I think there's at least six times, if I'm not mistaken, I have it in my notes somewhere, but about six times, if I'm not mistaken, it says, and they committed themselves to prayer in the Greek. There's a word untranslated. It means the, they committed themselves to the prayer. Why not just prayer? No, no, no. They committed themselves to the prayer. What is the prayer that they all were participating in? The prayer language that God gave them in Acts chapter two. Are you with me? Praying in the spirit, praying in the spirit, like Paul said, praying in the spirit at all times. Are you with me? Praying in the spirit. And because the church said, hey, we're unified around him, this message of grace, and we're praying in the spirit, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit starts manifesting. It starts working. Are you with me? Now watch this. Acts chapter one, verse eight, one more time. It says, but you, Jesus says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come. The word receive in the Greek is the word lambano. Now, when I was studying, I actually had a place I wanted to go. But while I was studying, I've been lately, I've been telling the Lord, I'm not going to come in with a mission. Instead, I'm just going to start studying the topic I feel the Lord's pointing me. And I want you to lead my study. Now, I haven't always done it like that. But for the last month and a half, two months, that's what I've been doing. So when I was studying, the word receive popped out. And I said, what does the word receive mean? It's the Greek word lambano. Now, if you remember from last Sunday, we shared lambano. Let me show you. Do you know another place where the word lambano appears? Would you, do you know? Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Watch this. That famous verse we were talking about earlier. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps. The word helps, like we said last week, soon anti lambano. In our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, I marked out the words for us because in the Greek, the words for us don't even exist. They were added by the translators. That shocked me. And I started realizing, wait a second, <laughs> these verses that don't make sense, maybe we should go look a little bit deeper. The Holy Spirit never put for us. And I think that's where the confusion has come in the church. Man thought, let's help God and put for us. The Holy Spirit never said, I will make intercession for you. He said, I will make intercession with you. Soon, anti, lambano. Soon is the Greek word for with. Soon is with. Anti means against. So the Holy Spirit says, as you pray in the spirit, I am with you against. Lambano means to grab hold of something or to lay hold of it. Are you with me? So whatever mountain or whatever giant is coming against you, I am with you against that. We're grabbing it together. Now, how do we grab it? We pray in the spirit. How does he grab it? As we pray in the spirit, he takes care of it for us. Are you with me? Now, I use that word for us, but he takes care of it with us. As we pray, he does the work. We pray. You pray, he works. You stop praying, he stops working. Are you with me? Now, God has given us a way to say, hey, look, look, you can trust in your own understanding or you can trust me. In fact, I was meditating on, on just this, again, getting ready for the Sunday, and the Holy Spirit impressed this on me. Did you know that praying in the Spirit is one of the most Humble things that we can do on this side of the cross. It's one of the most humble things. You know why? You can pray in the understanding. In fact, Paul said, I pray both. I pray in my understanding and I pray in the spirit. Are you with me? I will sing in the understanding, but I'll also sing in the spirit. And when Paul talks about tongues, he says, don't negate one or the other. Do both. But you know that when you pray in the spirit, you don't know what he's saying. Our understanding is unfruitful, right? And when I was meditating, getting ready for this Sunday, the Lord said this, son, the more you pray in the spirit, it's a humble thing for you because you have no idea what I'm praying for through you. As you pray in the spirit, see, for me, my wife's not in here. For me, 
<laughs> I pray in the spirit, Lord, change her. <laughs> right? Father, fix her. She wasn't broken like this when we first got married. <laughs> what happened, Lord? Fix her. She's not in here, so I can get away with this. So I start praying, Father, do all of this. And then somewhere along the lines, the Holy Spirit says, um, can, can I help? Yes, I need you to pray with me as well. Father, fix her. And I start praying in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, oh, thank God. He stopped talking. Now I can talk. Father, it's not her. You know it's not her. He, I know it's not her. It's not her. It's all him. He's an idiot. Fix him, Father. Fix him. Change him. Make him stop doing this. Make him, because we are stuck together. And the Lord says, I know you're stuck together. Father, we are stuck together. Change him. Fix him. So I finished praying in, in the spirit and she comes around and all of a sudden she likes me for some reason. And I go, yes, it worked. Now, what's the secret? The more I pray in the understanding, I may not always get the results I want. But when I pray in the spirit, it's the spirit of God praying to God himself. God talking to God. How not to get God results. Are you with me? I mean, we can get much faster results. I was um, I was talking with Christina. We were just talking about tongues. You know, when somebody feels sick and they say, well, brother, you know, um, Let's say I've been having a sharp pain in my leg. Sharp pain in my leg. I don't know what it is. Well, what, what do we say with our understanding? We know that the Bible says, by his stripes, you were healed. And like I said last Sunday, we don't negotiate on the non-negotiables. Are you with me? We don't negotiate with healing. No, no, no. Healing is the children's bread. It belongs to you. So we say, by his stripes, you were healed. And we say, do you feel better? Yes. Or, oh, I don't feel better right now. Don't worry. It's taken care of at the cross. But do you know the Holy Spirit, he hears that person in me. The Holy Spirit says, okay, he sees the person because my spirit and his spirit are one, right? That person comes and says, pray for my leg. There's a pain. My mind, my understanding says, hey, by his stripes, you're healed. The Holy Spirit says, hmm, there's a problem at home that needs to be taken care of. Now, I, I don't know what your home life looks like, but he does. Because he who searches the hearts and minds knows. Are you with me? So it's better for me to say, Hey, let me quote scripture by his stripes. You are healed. But it's also better for me to say, let me pray in the spirit, because if I'll pray in the spirit, the Holy Spirit will say, Father, the Holy Spirit will say, Father, there's there, there's something at home that's happening. Fix this thing at home and it will cause the pain in the leg to stop. Are you with me now? Again, we pray on the surface. The Holy Spirit prays to the root. He always targets the root and you can always guarantee. Well, when I pray in the spirit, it doesn't seem like much is happening. I, let me say this. He targets the root. When you kill the root of a tree, the tree doesn't fall over instantly. What does it do? It dies over time. When you pray in the spirit, the Holy Spirit is saying, let me uproot these things in your life. Forget the fruit. The fruit will take care of itself. You pray in the spirit. I'll make sure that the root is taken care of. Are you with me? I think you I think we should pray in the spirit more. What do you think? (laughs) I do. I think we should pray in the spirit more. I find that when I minister, if I don't pray in the spirit a lot throughout the week, and this is just for me, I come in here and it feels like it's hard to preach. It feels like it's hard to minister. It feels like no one is getting anything I'm saying. And I go, let me just go home. <laughs> but I found on the, on, on the other end of the spectrum, it's also true. If I pray in the spirit a lot before I come in here, I find that there's a flow and it's a lot easier. Now, again, when we pray in the spirit, he wants all of us to be witnesses. I am a witness that I am a man. All right, let me use this dumb analogy, okay? I am a witness that I am a man. You know how I know I'm a witness? Because I walk like a man. My voice is deep like a man. I think and reason logically like men, all right? I don't have to try, I just get to be. I was born a man, I get to be, you see what I'm saying? I'm a man. 
I am a witness that I am a man. God wants you to be a witness to Jesus. Are you, I don't know, does that make sense? How do you become a witness to Jesus? The Bible says in the book of Acts, as many people could lay within the shadows distance, shadows range of the apostles, when they walked, they got healed. Who else did something similar to that? The Bible says about Jesus in Luke, as many could touch him, there went power out from him and he healed them all. Now, the apostles who are filled with the Holy Spirit, when they walk down the aisle, they start laying sick people along the walkway. As they walk, people are getting healed. That man is a witness to Jesus Christ. All of you are witnesses to Jesus Christ. And the more you pray in the Spirit, you will be more of a witness. Are you with me? Oh, man. Are you with me? Now, let me show you something real quick. Can you go to the next one? I think it's Genesis. Let me show you this. I'll bring this to a close. Can I share two stories with you? Two stories. Now, I've shared this at least twice in the past since we've had the church in the last four years. But I love this story because I saw this when I was actually a youth pastor uh, or doing our youth ministry thing. And when I saw this, man, I'm telling you, I got so excited. And I, and I wanted to share it specifically for this morning. I believe the Lord wanted me to share it this morning in particular because we're praying in the spirit as a church. If I'm telling you to pray in the spirit on your own, that's one thing. But I believe we are going to be praying in the spirit as a church. Are you with me? So as we pray in the spirit as a church, what happens? And what does God have to say about all of this? Now, let me show you a really cool story that if you're not careful, you'll only see the negative. All right, but let's pull back the veil and let's see Jesus in it. Now watch this. In Genesis chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. One language, one speech. Are you with me? And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone. They had asphalt for mortar. You keep going. And when they, and they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Now, real quick, God told them, go out, scatter, cover the face of the earth. They all come together with a great idea. Let's not do what God said. And let's build a tower that reaches into the heavens. All right. Now, the Hebrew word for heavens here also means the atmospheric heavens, not so much where God is per se, but it's the atmospheric heavens. Are you with me? Now, I say that to say this, because when I was a kid, I thought they're going to go where God is. It's not what it means. right? Paul said, I, I, I know I, I actually transcended to the third heaven. Remember that for years we thought there's three levels of heaven. Not necessarily from a Jewish perspective. Earth is one. The atmospheric heaven. Where the, you see what I'm saying, the atmosphere, heaven number two. The third is where God himself is. So they say, let's make a tower that reaches into the heavens. Let me say this. There are not some of us who will get to go into the third level and the others who are not as good as Matthew are. You get to stay in level number one. Jesus went to the deepest, darkest levels of hell so that you could enjoy the greatest and the brightest levels of heaven. Are you with me? He brought all of us close to God's heart. And whether you deserve it or not, if you are in Christ, you will enjoy it. And everyone said... Amen. Now watch this. Verse five. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. Now, I love this. The Lord came down to see what they were doing. Verse six. And the Lord said, indeed, these indeed, the people are one. They are what? One. one. All have and they all have one language. How many? One. one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do 
will be withheld from them. Stay here. Nothing they propose to do will be withheld from them. Now, we know how the story ends. He's, he, he, he changes their language, and now they all can't understand each other, so they have to disperse. That's how we have more languages than... There you go. That's, how, that's where all the various languages came from, right here. And in fact, God confused their languages. He confused them so they couldn't understand. So they said, let's call the place confusion. Let's call it Babel. Hence, we have the Tower of Babel. Are you with me? But notice what Jesus said himself. Notice what God said himself. The people are one. Now, the church at large is not one. Because one part of the church says, come to church and let's tell you how to be a better person. The other, another piece of the church is saying, let's show you what to do, how to get the favor of God, how to get healed. Let's show you all these things to do. And then you have us on the other side of the spectrum with other churches who are saying, it has nothing to do with you, but everything to do with Jesus. Are you with me? And what's happening is this, as the gospel is becoming more widely understood, more broadly understood, as grace is going out into the world, these other two parts of the church are beginning to say, maybe we had it wrong. Maybe it's all about Jesus. Are you with me? And so as the church becomes one, now we become unified behind Jesus. And notice what it says. And they all have one language. Now watch this. On the day of Pentecost, there were Jews all over Jerusalem who had various different languages from various different places. God gave them one language in the upper room. When they came out, that one language was understood in everybody's language. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? God gives them the gift of tongues. They go out praying in the spirit and people who don't speak the same language go, I can hear you in my own language. Wow. Now, it's not always, well, when I'm praying in tongues, I must be praying in Spanish. I must be speaking French. No, no, it's not always that, but it's saying this. When I pray in the spirit, I don't know what I'm saying. But now God has said, let me give all of you one language. And why? Because unified behind Christ, speaking one language, what happens? Now, nothing they propose to do will be withheld from them. I love that. I love that. Why are we praying in the spirit as a church? You know, I said, Lord, why? And this is true for me. About two or three weeks ago, I said, Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to share on it. And he was showing me so much more. I have to share it in the future, in the days to come. But I said, Lord, why? And he said, because there's so much that you as a pastor and the church want to accomplish. Once you have one language, nothing will be impossible for you. Mm, I got excited. <laughs> Man, I got excited. Nothing can be impossible for us. Surrounding around Christ and saying the same thing. Yes. Are you with me? Now, don't get me wrong. I love you. And I think some of you know how to pray. But I trust the Holy Spirit better than I trust you. Yes. <laughs> so pray in the Spirit. All right. Keep going. Uh, come, let us go down. Confuse your language and speak. So he scattered them. Show the last one. Now, let me show you the last story. And we'll close with this. Go ahead. It comes from Second Chronicles. And I'll close with this. Second Chronicles. Now, I was debating about sharing this one with you because I didn't want to have too much information. But when I shared it with my wife, she said, oh, my God, share it. Do you have your Bible in front of you? Can you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 real quick? 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Are you in 1 Corinthians 14? And then we'll pick up in 2 Chronicles real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, look at this in verse 6. We shared this before, but I'm going to show you this story, and I want you to see it in light of this. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 6 says this. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Translation, if I come to you 
I don't really benefit you unless I bring one of these four things. And what's the best way to bring one of these four things? By praying in the spirit. The more you pray in the spirit, next time you go to talk with someone, you'll find that you have deeper revelation, deeper knowledge. You have truth and you can teach them in ways you never thought before. I've had many times I'll go and I'll go talk with someone and I pray in the spirit a lot before I go. And when I get there, I find myself saying things. I go, I sound like Dr. Phil. <laughs> How did I how did I get all this information? And I realized the more I pray in the spirit, the Holy Spirit says, I'm going to make you helpful to someone else. I can make you useful. But if you go trusting your own knowledge and experience, you're going to mess this up. So just pray in the spirit. Let me pray for you. And when we get there, we'll have fun. Are you with me? That's verse six. Then we pick up at verse seven. Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what's piped or played? For if a trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? You see that? For if a trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? Now, again, we're talking about praying in the spirit, correct? Praying in the spirit. And that brings us to Second Chronicles chapter 13. Now, I wanted you to see that because I could just tell you, but I love for you to see it for yourself. So we're going to pick up in Second Chronicles chapter 13. Now, real quick, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom are fighting with each other. All right. What happened was this. David is dead. His grandson. I'm sorry. His son, Solomon. Solomon's son, Jeroboam, is now the king. And what happens is this. He decides, listening to the wrong counsel, he decides, let's go and attack the southern kingdom. So they get together and there's a king in the southern kingdom named Abijah. I hope I'm not messing that name up. (laughs) Abijah. Now, Abijah is an interesting name. When I saw the name, I knew exactly what it meant, but I thought, let me look it up anyways. Now, for the sake of time, I'm not going to show you the name and spell it out in the Hebrew for you. I just want to show you. We'll keep it simple. Abijah is three words actually put together. It's ab, 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 or it's aleph, bet, ab. How do you say daddy in Hebrew? Abba. Anytime you see ab in a name, it always means abba is in the name somewhere in the interpretation. Now, abi, or uh, yeah, abi means is. So if I say, um, for example, Elijah, El is always God. But when I say Eli, it means God is. Are you with me? Elisha, El, God, Eli, God is. Sha comes from Yeshua. God is Yeshua. God is salvation. Are you with me? Yah, the, the J-A-H, Yah comes from Yahweh. Are you with me? Comes from Yahweh. So what do we have? Ab, Abi, and then we have Yah, my father is Yahweh. Are you with me? My father is Yahweh. Now, it's a beautiful name because Yahweh is not the name that the world knows. The world knows God, but they don't know Yahweh. Now, that's a message for another time, but suffice to say this. Whenever you read your Old Testament and you see the word God mentioned, it's always El. Whenever you see the word Lord mentioned, it's always Yahweh. Are you with me? God created the world. Yahweh becomes the covenant friend. Same person, different titles. He was the Lord to Abraham, but he's God to everyone else. The world says, well, I love God. I love God, but they don't know Yahweh. Are you with me? And we talked about Yahweh when we, when we looked at relationships. Yahweh is made up of four letters. Yud, He, Vav, He. What does Yud mean? Yud is a picture of a hand. Yud, He, hand and grace. Vav is a nail. Hey is grace. Hand in grace, nailed in grace. When you know Yahweh, you're looking at Jesus. Are you with me? 
So the reason why I wanted to show you this story is because, again, Abijah, my father is Yahweh. That's what his name means. It's a picture of all of us. Are you with me? It's a picture of all of us. Before the cross, God was no one's father. He wasn't a father to anyone. But once he sent Jesus and Jesus died for all of us, now all of us are sons and he is now our father. Are you with me? So Abijah is a picture of all of us. Then Abijah stood on Mount Zemar. Uh, I'm not going to mess the name up. Zemaraim. Now Zemaraim is a funny name because it means wool. It comes from a word Zemar, which means wool. But im on the end of any Hebrew word means multiple or lots. So Zemaraim means wool or lots of wool. One interpretation literally says double wool. Now, what in the world is wool? Where do you get wool from? What animal? A sheep. Remember Gideon? Remember the test he gave the Lord? Lord, I'll put the wool fleece on the grass. The next morning, let the wool have all the dew and everything else around it dry. What's the picture? The fleece, which comes from a lamb, the wool comes from a lamb. When Jesus came, he had all the dew of heaven. None of us had it. He had all the favor of God. None of us had it. Then he says, Lord, one more test. Just, just, just one more. Tomorrow, let the wool be completely dry and let everything else around it have dew on it. Lord says, okay, get in. I'll entertain. What's the picture? Jesus came with all the favor of God from heaven. David said, your favor, your grace is like the dew. So it's a picture of the grace of God. The first morning, Jesus has it all. None of us do. After the cross, the next day, now the grace of God is on all of us. But Jesus was taken, all the grace was taken out of him so that it could be poured out on all of us. Are you with me? So again, wool speaks of the lamb, speaks of a sheep. But double wool, why double wool? You know why? It speaks of the lamb, but a lot. It speaks of, it speaks of a place where Jesus is preached a lot. The lamb is exalted. There is a lot of Jesus here. Are you with me? It's like we said about two weeks ago in service, we said there's some churches, uh, and I'm sorry, not some, and I'm not, we're not here to attack other churches. Please don't misunderstand. But there's, my wife and I, we were watching a preacher and he preached a whole sermon about why bad things are happening. And at the end of his 30 minute sermon, he said, oh, by the way, if you'd like to receive Jesus, we have an altar call for you. And they play the nice music and people, I want to receive Christ. Why would anyone receive Christ after hearing how bad they are? And in 30 minutes, he never said anything about Jesus at all. Again, it's not a contest who can say Jesus the most. But you know what? Why would I receive Jesus when you just preached a whole sermon about how I can do it on my own strength? I don't need Jesus if I can do it, but I couldn't do it. That's why I need him. So it's a place where Jesus is being taught a lot. On top of that, Zemaraim is actually in the mountain range of Ephraim. I hope I'm not confusing you. Ephraim literally means double portion. It's a place where there is an abundance. Are you with me? Abundance always follows Jesus. When you're hearing a lot about Jesus, there'll always be an abundance. Are you with me? How do we get on this? Abijah, my father is Yahweh, stood on the mountain of Zimarim, which is in the mountains of Ephraim, and said, now watch this, he's being attacked by Jeroboam. And Jeroboam is coming against him, and he says to him, Hear me, Jeroboam and all Israel. Should you not know that the Lord God of Israel gave the dominion of over Israel to David forever? To him and his sons by a covenant of salt. Now watch this real quick and we're going to move on. David. Does anyone know what David's name means? Beloved. Beloved. God said three times, this is my and whom I am well pleased. Talking about who? Jesus. In Ephesians, Paul says, you are accepted in the beloved. Are you with me? And then notice what it says. 
he gave it to David forever, to him and his sons, by a covenant of Do you know that Paul said, let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt? Are you with me? Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. (laughs) Are you hearing me? You are agents of grace in a world where people are only getting what they deserve. You be the one to give them what they don't deserve. You be the one to speak life over people who don't deserve it. When they cut you off, don't say what you want to say, because I say what I many say what Jesus (laughs) would say to them. When the waiter takes longer than she should, don't give her what she deserves. Give her what she doesn't deserve. She's gotten what she deserves. And that's why she is as bad as a waitress as she is. Give her what she doesn't deserve and change her life in that moment. Are you with me? You are agents of grace. Let your conversation be full of salt, seasoned with grace. But one more time. David, my beloved, received the covenant. He received his covenant how? Through a covenant of salt. He received dominion through a covenant of salt. Your authority is rooted in the grace of God, a covenant of grace. Are you with me? None of this has anything to do with tongues. I'm so sorry. Let's, let's keep reading. And I'm, I'm going to close with this. This is my last, last verse. <laughs> what time is it? Sorry, what time is it? Oh, we're over time. Here we go. All right. So verse five, he says this. Should you not know that the Lord God of Israel gave dominion over Israel to David forever, to him and his sons by a covenant of salt? Now, you can read the rest for yourself. Go to the next one. You can read the rest for yourself. I was going to read it, but we don't have enough time. Read it for yourself. Okay. what happens is this. He stands up and says, you have gotten rid of all your priests and you stopped serving the Lord. But we down here, we have continued to serve the Lord and our priests are actually still serving and they're actually from the tribe of Levi. You are serving idols. We serve the true God of Israel. And know this, if you come against us, it will be to your own demise. Attack us and you'll only be hurting yourself. Now, powerful thing to say. Pick up at verse 12. Now, look, God himself is with us as our head. And his priest with the sounding trumpets to sound the alarm against you. When we, what we just read is what? Tongues is like a trumpet. It's like a trumpet. In the Old Testament, the trumpet is a type and shadow of praying in the spirit. Are you with me? They didn't have it, but it's a type and shadow of it. So let's pull the veil back and learn. Watch this. Oh, children of Israel, do not fight against the Lord God of your fathers, for you shall not prosper. But Jeroboam caused an ambush to go around behind them. So they were in front of Judah and the ambush was behind them. Now watch this. Verse 14. And when Judah looked around, to their surprise, the battle line was at both front and rear. And they cried out to the Lord and the priest sounded the trumpets. Impossible situation. What was impossible to you now becomes possible. He looks and says, they're about to get us from the front and they're going to get us from the back. Everyone cry out to God, priest, blow the trumpets. And what are you doing every day for one hour a day? Blowing the trumpet. You're praying in the spirit. And as they blow the trumpets, what happens? Go to the next one. Watch this. Then the men of Judah gave a shout. And as the men of Judah shouted, it happened that God struck Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. And the children of Israel fled before Judah. And God delivered them into their hand. Then Abijah and his people struck them with a great slaughter. So 500,000 choice men of Israel fell slain. Not the amateurs, the professional fighters, the experienced fighters. They all fell before men who were shouting and blowing trumpets. (laughs) God loves when you blow the trumpet. He loves when you pray in the spirit. Show the last verse. He loves when you pray in the spirit. Because when you pray in the spirit, you're saying, we can fight this, but we're choosing not to fight this. Lord, you fight this. You fight this. And whatever you want to happen will happen. But you are always working for my good. 
Verse 18, thus the children of Israel were subdued at that time, and the children of Judah prevailed. Why? Because they relied on the Lord God of their fathers. They relied on the Lord God of their fathers. Can I tell you this real quick? Let me tell you this. The more you pray in the Spirit, you're saying, Holy Spirit, I'm trusting you to do what I can't. I'm trusting you to do what I cannot. All right? And it's a humbling thing to do. But let me say this. While I was studying and meditating on this, and the Lord said this, and I'm done. I promise I'm going to stop talking after this. I decided, let me look up the word Holy Spirit. How many times does the word Holy Spirit appear in the book of Romans? You know how many times it appears? Five times. Interesting number, that number five. What does five represent? Grace. Five times. The first time the name Holy Spirit is mentioned is in Romans chapter five, verse five. I'll tell you, that number five is an interesting number. <laughs> you know what? You know what Romans chapter five, verse five says? You know what it says? Hope does not disappoint because the love of God is poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? What's the first function of the Holy Spirit? To let you know that God loves you. The last time Holy Spirit is mentioned in the New Testament, the final last time is in Jude verse 20. And in verse 20, it says this, keeping yourself in the love of God, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to sandwich you between the love of God. And while I was meditating, again, I don't want to close any other way. I wanted to close like this on purpose. Many of us down through the years, myself included, I've just prayed in the spirit because I'm afraid I'm praying in the spirit because I don't know what to do. And the Lord said, son, you must remind yourself that I love you. Remind yourself that I'm in love with you. Because Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, you can pray in the spirit and just make noise. There are a lot of people just making noise. But he says, if you have the love of God, when you pray in the spirit, it will profit you everything. And while I was finalizing this and just getting ready for church, the Holy Spirit said this, tell them, tell them, as you are praying in the spirit one hour a day, before you do it, before you just set a reminder on your phone, write it down somewhere so you don't forget. Before you pray in the spirit one hour a day, Stop and say this, Jesus, you love me. Heavenly Father, you love me. It's not a paragraph. It's not a, a prayer. Look, just make it simple. Heavenly Father, you love me. And because you love me, as I pray in the spirit, you are working everything for me. Is that simple? Can we do that? <laughs> so again, as you pray in the spirit in the days to come, stop and remind yourself, Jesus, you love me. And the more you're reminded of that, the Holy Spirit is working in an environment that he loves most. Aren't you excited? I'm telling you, the days ahead are going to be good. The days ahead are going to be good. And I can guarantee you that because you're going to be praying in the spirit. But know this, he will attack you because of the word. He will attack you because of the word. He doesn't attack you because you're good looking and you are. And everyone said, amen. He doesn't attack you because you're a great person. And everyone said, amen. He doesn't attack you because of that. He attacks you to see, do you really believe? Do you really believe? So let me say this. If things start getting worse, persevere. Persevere. Keep praying. Keep praying. Because I promise you on the other end of that attack are rainbows and unicorns. Heavenly Father, <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you. This- Thanks for listening to Center Church Podcast. We trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to receive more of our content in the future, you can email us at centercharlotte at gmail.com or just visit our website at centercharlotte.org. Thanks for tuning in and may God's grace cover you in every area of your life.